And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Stainer and Jay. It's Stainer and Jay. Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Grounds presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paulie Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Working for you, emergency pod edition. I mean, it's really not even an emergency anymore, Jay. There were so many emergencies <laughs> that we had to compile them all into one big emergency that we're here, which is recap day one of free agency Bengals emergency edition. How's that sound? It's just, it rolls right off the tongue. It's our triage podcast. We have to pri- we have to prioritize these and w- which one which one's more pressing? What do we have to get to first? And I mean, let's just get straight into it. Uh, how about a run past or boot right off the bat? How many podcasts will we record this week before Sunday? Oh, three wow. or fewer, four or five or more. Oh man, I, this feels like a. I probably would be running, probably running with three. I'll. S- Three to four, three and a half. I put the over under at three and a half. You don't think you don't think every day of the rest of the week is going to be like today? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) I do think there will be very interesting days the rest of the week. We we could really end up recapping every day, um, Mm -hmm. but they they aren't all going to be like this. But there's plenty more to come. I mean, you know, we're going to have you're going to have the cuts that are going to come on Wednesday across the league. That'll include some here. There's going to be more signings. There's a lot of spots left open. The Bengals have a lot of money left. Let's recap what has happened. Uh, let's start here. Bengals. I mean, Jay, can you can we just talk about how far this franchise has come? It's just like watching <laughs> the little kids grow up. You know, they're all grown up now. There they are kicking off free agency minutes into after 12 o'clock. There it is. The Bengals signed Alex Kappa, guard from Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, on a four-year deal that amounts to basically thirty-five million. We'll get into these contracts in a minute, which are interesting. They signed a guard, uh, a guard, a guard, Jay. <laughs> they, you, you know, the Super Bowl was cool and all, but you know what? Joe Burrow made the Bengals believe that guards are important, and that's really the miracle here. <laughs> and he did um, it the hard way. <laughs> he certainly did 70 shots at a time. Uh, so then they follow that up a couple hours later and signed Ted Karras uh, from New England. Uh, guard center slotted the play center here probably for now, but his flexibility is a big part of his value. Super solid, you know, rock solid pass protector type physical energy guy. Um, they loved him in New England. People that know New England closely were really surprised that New England didn't quite follow along and, and be willing to go further to pay for Karras. Three years, $18 million is the deal. Also, a uh, digestible contract, which we will get to momentarily. Um, 
on Sunday, we should we should preemptively talk about this. Uh, Ryan Jensen returned to Tampa Bay to play with Tom Brady, who came out of retirement and threw off the whole Bengals' plans of targeting their big fish, <laughs> Ryan Jensen, and putting him next to Kappa. Uh, so it ends up being Jensen goes back to have baby powder on in front of Tom Brady, and uh, the Bengals sort of redirect their attack to go Kappa Karras, and that's their one-two at guard and center for now. Um, other moves the day continues. Larry Ogunjobi. We wrote about Ogunjobi versus BJ Hill this past weekend and what how that was going to play out. Ogunjobi cashes in big time on his one year prove it deal. Ends up going to the Bears for three years and forty million dollars. Just a huge deal. I mean, we were kind of projecting him. We had him at eight. I had seven to ten. Uh, you know, showing up and, and you know, the Bengals kind of caught wind. I think early on that man there might be multiple ten million dollar offers for Ogunjobi. It's a pretty good chance it wasn't going to happen because they weren't going to go all the way up there. And, and boy, did, did the number go up there, three years and $40 million for Ogunjobi, a bunch of guaranteed coin from the Bears, too. Good for him. Congrats to Larry. But when that happened and they weren't willing to go there, they poured all attention into making sure a B.J. Hill deal got done, and it did. Three years, $30 million, $15 million in year one, Big deal for BJ Hill. Um, and, you know, again, we were thinking seven, eight, something like that. The Bengals, the market was there for these young defensive tackles. People wanted them. They had to do whatever they had to do to keep them. And that meant going up, way up. And they went there to keep BJ Hill as their three technique. Um, and then they'll have to figure out what to do rotationally, which will ultimately probably mean drafting a guy. We'll get into that. Uh, the day continues, rolls on. Reports have CJ Uzama going to the Jets for three years and $24 million. Um, obviously, all of these deals are not official in, in, until they can be signed on Wednesday, so you never know. Things can change. CJ Uzama, though, reported to the Jets three years, $24 million. Um, that the biggest I would call that probably the biggest surprise of the day. But again, running down the news right now, we'll get to that stuff later. Let's start in really diving into the line. Jay, what stood out to you from the moves that occurred for the Bengals in the biggest position of need in, in the offensive line? Um, I would say the speed that it happened. I mean, we we expected them to sign two or three starters, and I, I think we both even maybe brought this up where it, it telling people to be patient that it may not happen until Tuesday. Um, it's just kind of the way they've operated in the past. I think was it like at 10 o'clock at night when they signed Trey Hendrickson on a Tuesday night last year. And I think the, the reader uh, two years ago came on a Tuesday. Uh, it's not like they, they went crazy. They may have if Jensen had been there, but it, they didn't go way above for these two guys but the fact that they got them right out of the gate I think was the biggest surprise and and I guess that shows sometimes that shows the urgency more than overspending that you know you go get guys that are kind of middle level guys but that's what you need that's the hole you had to fill and they were not going to take a chance on waiting around and seeing those guys go somewhere else now I, the way this uh developed and then you know, the way these contracts ended up looking and being structured to me is the most interesting part of this outside of what you mentioned, Jay. And that is 
investing in the interior of this offensive line and doing it swiftly and immediately and leaving no doubt. Because what have the last few years been? They've been left with these really disappointing first couple of days where they lowball offers to guys and the market's going above them and they're just not willing to go there on those positions and kind of a, a half-assing of fixing the line that has caused what we've seen the last couple of years. And, to, and you know, it was kind of a learn-from-your-mistakes kind of day. You know, it was not going to mess around, going to make sure they get it done, and they do. Now, the Jensen thing, I mean, we knew that was going to be target one. We knew that was going to be big fish, and it was going to be a big number. I mean, his agent kind of came out and said, yeah, I mean, we have multiple teams. They, they probably could have pushed it up way above that number, the $13 million per year that he was able to work out with Tampa Bay. But when all of a sudden on Sunday the bomb drops, you know, there's ripple effects across the league when something like that happens. When Tom Brady all of a sudden 40 days in the desert like Moses is back <laughs> here to, to to return. And he he's wants to bring his center with him. So, I mean, you know, it's a like we'll talk about with Gronkowski. The, the allure of the goat is stronger than about anything in football to go play with Brady again, especially when you're a center and Brady calls you personally and says, come back. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. They tried to, so, so that threw off their plans a little bit, but they still had an eye on Kappa. They still had dedicated themselves to bringing Kappa in, you know, the dream of putting them two next to each other. Uh, again in Cincinnati was gone, but they made sure that they held on to Kappa, who did not back out and did not go back to Tampa to play with Brady. And and I think they they had a, a select few people in that top tier that they viewed as being able to come in and be an immediate impact. And just you know the tenacity he plays with, the the consistency that he's shown there. Um, he he's been a really you know. Um, just a really solid starter who's young. I mean, 27, and he's only he's had two years that he's played back-to-back really well. They view him as still ascending type of player. I mean, we talked about this, and I wrote about this. They, when they really want to invest, they would always they keep showing they want it to be these guys on their these first deals coming out of the rookie deals, giving the third contract. The guys up into their 30s, they, they're not as keen to do that's why Kappa made sense, and I had him in my top four targets because that's how they viewed it. They viewed him as one of those guys, and the age that he was would be the perfect type of fit for them. And, you know, they they don't need these kind of guys as much anymore as as far as guys with, with playoff experience and rings and, and, and all of that, but they're not going to turn him away. I mean, that is huge This that he has been to the playoffs two years in a row and won a Super Bowl, I mean – didn't play he got hurt but yes this is i mean that is what they had to do was was address the interior of the offensive line and, and you're right with both of these guys being still on the come you're not you're not breaking the bank they are very you mentioned it very team friendly contact con- contracts where they can get out of these at the end when they start getting on the wrong side of 30 they can get out of it with minimal dead money it's just everything really lined up. I know some people want, want to see the Jensen's and they want to see them with all the money they had go out and, and, and get these big guys, but it's not, it's the biggest need, but it's not the only need. And this, it just really hit them perfectly to get these two guys at manageable, manageable deals. And they are significant upgrades. 
significant upgrades. Let me run down a couple of things. I mean, last year, um, you had at right guard Akeem Adeniji for a lot of the season. He PFF graded him 85 out of 88 guards uh, under 88 top qualifiers in terms of snaps played. So 85 out of 88. Um, Trey Hopkins, they had his 36 out of the 40 qualifying centers. Karras, if you out of the guards, because he was a guard last season, but he plays, he's played a lot of signing. He's done both fairly high level. Last year, 15 out of 88 for Karras. Kappa, 18 out of 88. Um, we'll talk about Lael Collins in a second. If you put where to find a way to put him at right tackle, 15 out of 88 tackles. I mean, the idea, you talk about no donkeys. I mean, the idea that you could be talking about Jonah Williams as your fourth best offensive lineman by rating all of a sudden, I mean, and the, just how dramatically that could change things if they could put that final nail in the coffin. We'll get to that in a second. Um, the contracts you mentioned, now for Kappa, you know, we, we you know, four years, 35 million, four years, 40 million is originally reported. I mean, there's incentives and stuff in there. There's no guarantees past the first year, but with the Bengals, we know they like to operate that, you know, they're not going to take on a bunch of dead money if they don't absolutely have to. That turns after two years. I mean, again, you get his age 27 season, you get his age 28 season in 2023. And then you get into his age 29 season, they would save 4.8 million against the cap and have to eat 4.5 of dead money. Not something they would love to do. Not something that's typically typically do. But if it was particularly bad, they're still you know saving uh, almost five million dollars against the cap by letting them go. They're just eating a little sunk cost. But then by that fourth year, when he's supposed to be in his age 30 season, I mean it's an eight million dollar cap savings against. $2 million in dead money. That's something we see them do all the time that you would fully expect them to exit out of if you get to that point and he's just okay or the burrow money's really crushing you, whatever it is, um, and and you don't feel like it works out for you anymore, you can dip out of that no problem. I mean, that's a big deal. It, it's a, to get it structured that way and still be paying up front uh, for a guy who's such a, such a big upgrade. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to move over to the Karis contract here. Um, again, these are not big cap numbers. The cap number on Kappa, by the way, this year is only 6.8. I mean, compared to what we what you think it is when you start looking at the numbers we put out for you in the Choose Your Own Adventure sheet, I mean, when you start adding those up, you know how important it is to have that number be low enough. Karis is at $5 million as a cap number. Um, you get the first the first two years of this. This is basically a two year deal um, where he's a cap number of five and then five point six uh, 
next season. Again, reasonable, reasonable stuff. I mean, this is cheaper than what Trey Hopkins was, mm-hmm. his deal was. Um, and then you have an out after that where by the time you get to 2024, which would be his age 31 season, you would save $6.4 million by letting him go against only $1 million of dead money. That's a move that the Bengals would make a million times. It's almost the exact same as what they're going to get out of probably here in the Hopkins deal. So you're, you're – you're talking about deals that have outs on the back end, that have structure that the Bengals will like, that gives them flexibility as whatever starts happening happens. And once these guys hit 30, or they can have the options to hold on to them if it's worth it, and they're not crazy cap numbers. That combination, plus the upgrades I mentioned in your PFF rating, just who they are, the types of guys they are, they are Super Bowl winners. They've both won Super Bowls and been on right. teams that have done that. This physical nasty glass eater stuff you know they've been alpha males they've been talking about i mean the the, the that to com, to combine all of that really makes it feel like a huge win-win for exactly what they needed yeah because now you've you've got you you hit your two biggest or your biggest area of need with two guys and you the cj thing if if that does if he does end up going to the Jets that that adds even more money but they they've got money to address some of these other areas and whether again you said we're going to get to Collins here in a bit whether it's him or whether they go get a a bigger name cornerback than maybe we expected him to based on our own choose your own adventure sheets um, they, they've got more money to play with now because they were really smart with these two contracts and. and taking care of their biggest need first without just throwing tons of cash at it to do it. And it is interesting too. You made that they both have Super Bowl rings. They both did it with Tom Brady. It's not like they, this isn't a direct comparison, but you better believe those guys saw what Joe Burrow did and and see something in him to want to come here and play. It's not like this was just so much money that they couldn't turn it down. They, they, there was other options out there and, and they elected to come here and be part of, of what's going on here. And I just, it's, it's, we talked about it. It's, it's that burrow bounce or the burrow bump where you've got guys that want to be a part of the, the future of this organization. And, and these are just, again, you don't, they didn't need to go get these type of leaders with postseason experience and postseason success, but they weren't going to turn it down. And this just adds to it. You just look at the free agency moves they've made the last few years is such a common theme of getting guys that know how to win in January and February. And know how to win in general. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll direct you something Dan Horde pulled out on Twitter today that was great, was a quote from Bill Belichick in November talking about Ted Karras. And he said, God, tell me this doesn't ring true if you listen to this podcast to what we've been playing of coaches saying this stuff. All year long, what do they want? Guys that love the process, guys that love practice, guys that love ball, guys that just every day love to get after it. Here's Bill Belichick on Ted Karras. I think that's one of the great things about Ted Karras. You get pretty much the same person, the same player, the same level of communication, aggressiveness, play every single day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, whatever it is we're doing, you're going to get Ted's best and you're going to get a consistent level of play. Does that not scream everything that they have been saying when People have questioned, why are you guys so good? Why have has the culture been so good? Why has, thing, has everyone overachieved? They always point back to that. 
they always point back to those types of sentences to to have that um you know it, it's 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 this guy is the the biggest no donkeys that ever no donkey jay i mean he is <laughs> mr consistency solid pass protector big energy gonna do all those things that you want and, and a leader type that's won before man like that to me it was kind of a really a, a perfect honey hole for what they're looking for um let's talk about leo collins you know it's sort of this wild card that's out here right now okay the Bengals' interest is obvious here and they're in it i mean they're they're interested um as you might expect Frank Pollock connection uh, from when he was a coach in Dallas. Collins was there, a guy who's a top 10 right tackle by anyone's admission in the game right now. Dallas needs to get out of this contract. They're just trying to get out of a bunch of contracts. They traded Amari Cooper to the Browns for next to nothing, you know, fifth and a sixth with a, with a pick swap. I mean, we're talking next to nothing because they're trying to get out from under these contracts and, you know, the interesting thing with Collins is, you know, you don't have any takers for tr- a trade here. I mean, if they're announced we want to trade him, we will trade him, and then they basically say we're not mm-hmm. getting any trade offers, so we're probably going to release him uh, on Wednesday because they'll save a bunch of money on the cap if they do. The whole thing is very interesting. I mean, you have a guy who he, he missed 2020 with a hip injury, and he missed – he had suspended the first five games of last year for substance abuse – uh, policy, uh, but when he came back and played, he played great. Played like Leo Collins. I mean, no, no sacks. I mean, you know, he he's a he's a high end. He's still he's twenty eight. I mean, he's not old. Um, but what happens? So why is no one trading for this? Because the deal is great. You'd get one year, ten million dollars, three times over. Basically, it's just the same exact thing that happened with the Cordy Glenn trade a couple of years ago, where they turned into three rolling ten. $10 million options because there's no guaranteed money left. Dallas is eating a bunch of the cap. So you just end up having to pay $10 million three times. If it doesn't work out, if he gets here and it's just a, not a good fit, you took a $10 million chance on a top 10 right tackle and you let him go and lose nothing. I mean, you know, so the idea of trading for that should be something that teams would want. Why no one is, is, you know, part of the red flag here. So what happens if he does get released on Wednesday, Jay. I mean, that's kind of the question. I, I expect the Bengals to be in the mix, but where does his market go? I mean, what? Why are teams? Because a market for a top ten right tackle should be a bigger number than ten million dollars per year. But this would suggest that it's not going to be, or just people teams do not want to give something up, thinking they can they can hang on and and then throw a bunch of money at him once he is released. But you. Yeah, I don't know. I that is a. I don't even know how you forecast that. It's, it's going to be such a wild card at, uh, of where that bidding is going to go if they do let him go. And I mean, the the one thing you know, you talk about the the suspension and the the issues as far as beyond his play, just his makeup. And you know, Frank Pollock knows this guy well. Um, so Frank's on board. I think they're going to listen. They're they're going to make a run at him. It, that it changes. You're already feeling good about what this line is shaping up to be, and you had Lyle Collins in there. Man, that changes everything. And even if well, if it is ten million a year, say three million, the three years thirty million. I mean, that, it's doable with what they've got. And 
you, you're still you're looking down the road because that borough contract is coming. But he he is a difference maker. He he, he no donkeys is completely out the window. I don't know what the next level up from no donkeys is, but they're, <laughs> they, they the donkeys are disappearing, and it's it would it would change really. I don't want to say it would change everything, but it would be so big because I, I keep going back to this about the leaders and the postseason success. And that's littered everywhere where it's not is on this offensive line. And you've got young guys in Adena G and Jackson Carmen and Deontay Smith and Trey Hill, and you want them to mature and you want them to, to grow in. I mean, what, what better examples to bring in the two guys they already have signed and then Lyle Collins shows them the, the the way as well. Maybe he's not the the perfect poster boy for character, but he's a he's a proven successful right tackle in this league. And it's I yeah, I don't know where it's gonna go on Wednesday. It doesn't feel like a trade's gonna be done. It's gonna it feels like it's gonna come down to Wednesday. They're gonna release him, they're gonna save more money by releasing him, and then it'll almost be like Monday again. It'll almost be like a first wave kind of contractor bidding for a guy like that to still be there on Wednesday. You would think, you would think, uh, or maybe, maybe the trade happens at the last second. We see that happen sometimes where it's like, uh, I don't think we're going to get him if it's a free agent thing. So maybe we just pull the trigger and actually give up on trade again. It's, it's to me, it's the biggest thing to watch this week. There's other options. It's not like there aren't other options to plug in at right tackle mm-hmm. guys. They would want, I mean, Daryl Williams from Buffalo got released. Um, who's a guy who, who could be a starter for you, Morgan Moses. I mean, there's a plenty of right tackles out there that you could go after and sign it at a reasonable cost. Um, but as far as a guy who could be, I mean, a top 10 type real game changer type over there, those are really hard to find. And you're not going to find any out there. He, I think Collins would be your best chance of hitting that um, in this market right now. So we'll, it'll be the biggest, to me, it's the biggest thing left to watch the rest of this week amongst a number of things. And it's certainly not over. Let's, um, let's dive into Ogan, Joby and Hill. Um, you know, the, the Bears went after Larry Ogunjobi hard. I, I, when I was going through the piece comparing Ogunjobi and Hill, I didn't expect they, them to be so similar. I mean, they, their, CSP, their snaps were almost exactly the same. I went through and filtered through and just got – they played 200 snaps together. The Bengals really wanted both of these guys back, but I think it's easy to say that and have internal conversations about that. Um it was pretty clear when you start talking money, that was just not going to be a reality. Like you just, you're not going to be able to pay the idea that they would come in and pay Ogunjobi 13 million and BJ Hill 10, keep both of them when you're already paying Trey Hendrickson at 15 and Hubbard at 10 million a year and DJ reader at 14 million. I mean, at a certain point, how much money can you pay a defensive line? Like at a certain point, you just can't keep piling money into one position. And I think that was why we knew this was going to likely be the end game. He was a better player for them last. When you really look at the big difference being all the missed tackles from Larry Ogunjobi had 13 last year. BJ Hill only had two. And which when you talk about, Man, why is the PFF grade so different? Because they really didn't like Ogunjobi. They had him down in the 40s. They had Hill way up in the 70s. Why is that so different? What happened? That's it. It's it's all those missed tackles. And those are huge. I mean, those are huge. Now, there's a lot of that. You're you're creating disruption, and and that's still good that you're back there that often, which is why he's getting paid. He's back there all the time. But, you know, I think Hill, I think the Bengals will look at this now and say, we got the better player for less money. 
And if you're Cincinnati, man, you feel great about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny because you you see it a lot where a, a guy roasts another team and then that team goes out and gets them in free agency because they kind of have this this stilted impression of the guy. And it's, it's kind of the opposite. Ogan Joby had one of his worst games of the year against the Bears. I think he had three missed tackles in that game alone, if I remember right. And so there was it was – I don't want to say odd, but it was just curious that it was the Bears that went after him. And they they could be losing Akeem Hicks. So that was a bring Ogunjobi in to replace the guy out going out the door. And we, we went through it last week. And I, I think I think you had even posed the question, you know, if money's equal, who would you rather have? And and I was leaning toward the Ogunjobi. But with the way the the adventure sheet worked out, I, I had to go B.J. Hill um, just because it, it – Put, it was the difference of being over the cap and under the cap, and the, for the the money to be that different for those two guys, um, I, I again this this feels like a big win for the Bengals to keep BJ Hill, who for all the reasons you mentioned, he he may not have as big of an upside. Um, but right now, he's the better player, and he was such a steal. He Ogunjobi was a one year prove it deal. BJ Hill was. He was on his rookie deal, but it was, he was it was a it was a prove it situation, and he proved it. He came in and had multiple sacks in the, in the season opener. Has one of the biggest plays in the in the postseason run with the interception of Mahomes. Uh, it was just for for giving up a backup center to get that guy, and now locking him up for multiple years. Um, really, a, a huge success story for for the front office and for BJ Hill. Oh, no doubt. I mean, like. Billy Price. They turned <laughs> Billy Price into a $10 million per year three technique. I mean, what a wild, what a wild situation. But, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, you have uh, – he's got a lot left in his legs, young legs already. I mean, just coming off a rookie deal. I mean, he was he was part of a rotation and kind of underused in a very deep Giants defensive line when he was there, and that's part of the allure. You expand the role. I mean, he, he's got a lot of juice left, and that's why you're buying into it. Also, they so they do you know fifteen million in year one, no guaranteed money beyond it. Again, here we go. Joe Burrow structures are showing up here, right? I mean, we're seeing these all this front loaded money now, not guaranteeing anything later. So when the Burrow deal goes down and uh, the financial world changes of how it looks and what needs to fit, and you you have the ability to get out, you know, from some of these contracts and you take advantage of the space you have now because you won't have as much of it later. You can front load you because. You're on the rookie contract. You have not been financially irresponsible. There was a great tweet, I believe it's from Michael David Smith, about, you know, it's funny. People say the salary cap doesn't matter and the Bengals are cheap. Well, the salary cap matters enough that Tampa would have loved to have had Kappa back, but they couldn't get him, um, you know, because of the cap. And people, the reason that people called the Bengals cheap for taking care of the cap and having money in case they need it is the reason that they were able to get him. So, and protect Joe Burrow. And that's, you know, Taking care of your financials to be in the right spot allows you to make these types of moves and allows you to do things like front load contracts and be prepared for when the Burrow deal comes. And that's how you get more value out of the rookie deal. And so we're kind of seeing them take advantage of that a little bit here uh, today. All right, let's just take a quick break. Let's move on to CJ. Um, to me, the surprise of the day, 
Yeah, I, for sure. I really did not think they would let CJ get away. Now, what did we say earlier? What we know about them, and it continues to be true. Third contracts, you're just not going to, they're not going to be as interested in that stuff. You get CJ, who's going to be playing into his 30s now, but he was so much part of the culture, so much part of the locker room, so much a part of everything that kind of made the momentum of everything take off last year. There's so much value they place in that. So I thought that would be enough. Tight end market got weird, Jay. Tight end market got weird. Like the, all the top tight ends got tagged with franchise tags because it was a manageable number. Um, Njoku, uh, uh, Jasicki, um, all these guys at the top, a bunch of them get tagged. Dalton Schultz uh, in Dallas. And then some of the other guys really got paid quickly. And just the the, the list um, whittled down. And so you had teams really interested focusing themselves on a guy like C.J. Uzama. And the, that included the Jets. So when the Jets and the Bengals started getting next, you know, CJ, $8 million per year, three years, 24, a big deal for somebody who's, you know, coming off a career year, but going to be playing into his 30s. Um, and the Bengals, you know, that's a big number to, to, to go after for, for somebody with that profile, no matter how much you love their locker room presence. Yeah, and it, career year, but it still wasn't these an eye-popping tight end type of year it was it was a career year for cj but it wasn't he, he wasn't a top 10 tight end in terms of overall numbers and the other thing you wonder about is what that that knee injury in kansas city was the 29th or the 30th of january i mean what's what's the medical what's what's the the physical gonna be when when he goes to new york i mean that could change things um but there it's there's options out there. There's there's CJ equivalent guys out there. Now, nobody is equivalent to him in terms of personality and what he means in that locker room. But even though all these you know guys getting tagged and, and the Earth's signing today or re-signing with the Cardinals and, and all of that stuff going on, there's there's still some really intriguing options out there. And we had projected him at seven million. Um maybe maybe it works out for the better and they get a guy a little bit cheaper who can put up similar or even better numbers than CJ Uzama. There's there, there are some, some really, really interesting prospects out there. And one at the top, you might roll your eyes at this, but I, I, I go back. We, we both watched that, that crazy final game of the, the regular season, the Raiders chargers to see who go and Jared cook, he's going to be 35 in April last game of the year in his 34-year-old season, and he has a career-high 80 yards. And, and he's a guy that just – he just keeps doing it. His, his Every year his numbers are remarkably consistent. And, yes, that's not ideal to get a tight end that age, but he's he's proven he can hold up and he will he would be so much cheaper than C.J. Uzama. And then O.J. Howard, a former first-round pick, still only – didn't turn 28 till November um, – just kind of weird what happened in, in Tampa with him, with Cameron Brake came in and, you know, OJ Howard battled injuries and kind of had his role reduced. He's a guy who could have some huge upside and he played last year on the, on the fifth year option, 6.1 million. I don't think it's going to cost that much to, to get him this year. And, and another one, was it 
the Aaron Rodgers factor, or is this guy really on the come? But Robert Tanyan in Green Bay tore his ACL in, in October last year, only played half a season. That obviously is a huge, huge concern. But you look at what he did in 2020, 52 catches, 586 yards, 11 touchdowns. Uh, they, they would sign up for that. And that's another guy where it doesn't – he's not one of these elite end tight ends that's going to be up in the $9, 10000000 million a year range. So there, there are options out there. Gerald Everett from Seattle. The cupboard's not bare at tight end. Um, but it is – you just you just can't match what C.J. brought in that locker room. One thing we've heard a lot too in talking with and, and you know everything Dane Brugler has been writing is the tight end draft is really mm. deep. You're going to get into these middle rounds and you're going to see a lot of really good quality options. And we know where a lot of the best tight ends come from, have come from when you draft. I mean, you see a lot of them do come from these middle rounds. Whether you're talking about a Gronk in the second round or Travis Kelsey in the third round, or you know. You go all the way down the line. I mean, where some of these top tight ends have come from, you see a lot of times they do come from the middle. So maybe you pair a vet with a third or fourth round pick or something like that. Maybe, you know, I think, you know, Kyle Rudolph is probably at the end, but, you know, a guy like that, maybe a guy like that comes in. You're getting one year out of the elder kid to come play for his hometown team. And you've got a young kid who's probably going to come in and, and, and take over spot from them or learn from them or whatever. You can have some combination in that room and that can be what you can do. I mean, I don't, I, you know, people are saying, Oh, what are they going to do is Thad Moss time, Drew sample time. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that, I mean, that's not where you're going to go with this. I mean, there's going to be other additions and, and ways they're going to look at it and look, I mean, maybe they do find some exciting pass catching tight end to, man, can you imagine like now we're going to add another one of those weapons? I mean, CJ, um, brought enough of that but i mean you could bring you there are so many more tight ends that you could bring in with more sizzle in the pass game um that that you could bring into that position and and really light it up and give burrow another weapon so i, I think that could be exciting too and that's something that you could certainly find and pinpoint um in the draft so the number number of different directions you can go there but I, yeah we we are in agreement uh nobody will uh bring the personality uh, and that presence that that was such a fuel for everybody, like CJ did. I, we talked a little bit before about you know CJ if he goes in you know a, a big market, right? Could could be alluring for him. I think that not having talked to him, um, you, I got to feel like there's some allure to that. I mean, being in New York for a guy who you could very easily see transition to one of these shows, or if you wanted to go into broadcast, I mean, Greg Olson's about to be on damn Monday Night Football. He was just playing a couple years ago. I mean, uh, you know, or Fox, excuse me. And you're you're talking about, I mean, there's a number of different directions he could be on the precipice of going as he looks into the back end of his career. Maybe New York is just going to be perfect for him. Maybe he ends up the next guy on Good Morning Football. Right. I mean, uh, where they love him over there. And so there's there's lots of uh, different reasons that you would leave a team, even if you liked it, especially when you have a market like New York just sitting out there. I mean, we, we talk about on the wrong side of 30, like it's coming to an end. It's all over pretty soon. And yes, their football life is over. But these guys have careers beyond football. And the, the announcers are making more than the players now. That, that is <laughs> that is huge for if yeah. CJ can go in there and get exposure in the New York market. He already got great exposure on that Super Bowl run. It would have been even better if it hadn't been crazy zooms the whole time. But 
Yeah, this is this is a great opportunity for him and in in you know beyond the football field. Really happy for him if this is what happens. Um you know, he he deserves it. He deserves everything he gets. I, I go back to that season a few years ago when he was playing through so they, they were terrible. And he was playing through so many energies injuries and and giving this franchise everything he had. Um, you know, blocking his ass off and even though he was beat up. And to have the kind of year he had this year and to to come back from the injury in the Chiefs game, to be able to at least play in the Super Bowl. He wasn't a factor in the Super Bowl, but to get that experience, I'm just just really happy for the way things have worked out for him. Yeah. And so uh so that's day one, the triage in a nutshell. <laughs> I mean, you know, what a, a big first day. I mean, I the last couple of years they haven't done anything really on day one, and we've seen a lot of it come later, but today it was it was out of the gate with a purpose, signing linemen, getting it, getting taken care of, checking the boxes they need to check off, and now they're going to start looking next. What's next? You know, CB two still hanging out there, and you wonder. So what? You know, okay, now the money that maybe you're going to give to CJ Uzama can go a different direction. Maybe you're deciding to attack tight end differently. I mean, it doesn't have to go just because you don't pay one position doesn't mean it has to go back to that position. You could assess that position differently and push it somewhere else. Does that mean they're willing to get a little more aggressive with the cornerback spot? You know, do they, do they go in and they're looking and they, instead of, you know, an Eli Apple or a bargain replacement. Now you're looking at a Steven Nelson or somebody like that. Who's going to be a little bit more expensive. Maybe you're getting in that mix. I don't think that they're ever going to get up above $10 million or anything like that for a cornerback. But, I mean, I think you could see them now go into that 6 $7, 8000000 million range comfortably. Maybe they were going to do that before, but now I think maybe they get more aggressive in that spot. So I think cornerback two would probably be the next spot to look, continuing to look at tight end, obviously, and then monitoring whatever happens with right tackle, with the, the right tackle guys. So, I mean, to me – those are the spots that you're seeing that are on the on the on the front on the tip of the spear right now as they go forward to the rest of this week. What about another interior guy? Could you see them getting a James Daniels, getting another guard, or do you think they're they're done on the interior at this point? I think they're done on the interior at this point. You know, I think we heard enough, and I believe it, and I think it's it's just the way it is of. Look, the, the kids are going to battle for the one of those spots. So development has to be part of this process. So Carmen Smith, another guy they draft. Here's the other thing about Karras. You know, let's say what you wrote about and Dane Brugler mocked last time. Tyler Linderbaum falls to mm-hmm. 31. Like, because you have Karras' versatility to play guard or center at a high level, you can pull the trigger on Linderbaum. And, and put him at center and have Karras at guard. And now you've got your number 31 overall first-round pick who's a top 15 talent type playing center for you and two rock-solid guards next to him and Jonah Williams on one side and who knows what's on the right side. Maybe it's Lael Collins. Who knows? But the, the versatility of that, man, get, lets you be able to pull the trigger on that if you want to. Um, or you can draft a guard. If Zion Johnson's there, you can you could draft a guard to get into that mix or whoever. And or you can count on Carmen uh, and Smith or whoever to come come and take that. It just the versatility gives you a lot today. It gives you a lot on draft day. It gives you a whole lot during the season. 
if when injuries happen and things start getting getting sideways as they do online during the season, mm-hmm. his ability to play both spots can be really valuable for you as well. Um, I guess we'll find out more. You know, Trey Hopkins, you know, he's not going to be here under that contract. Who knows? Maybe they let him go or or negotiate some kind of a pay cut situation where he's playing cheaper and he sticks around because he wants to be here. And, and maybe that's part of the equation. And he's in the mix for you as, as a backup, and because you, you and you'd love to have that. Um, you know, Trey Wayne's will be let go. They haven't done it at this point. They don't have to do that. Um, you know, there's not a time frame necessarily on that. But um, you're going to see a lot of the guys that get let go are going to happen right before the new league year starts at four o'clock on. Wednesday. So I, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of different pieces to how that all is going to going to fit together, but I think, you know, the the, the the not really feeling pigeonholed at all in the draft right now is definitely a big part of everything they did today. And they're not pigeonholed in free agency now after everything they did today. They they've yes. got options. They do have options and they have money. So that's why we'll be back, right, Jay? We will. How many times? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back as uh, many as needed. Very possible recapping most days here. Um, and so we'll, we'll, as things go down, we'll have it for you and very excited to do so. Um, but for now, we're going to wrap it up after a pretty eventful day. One, I don't know that the Bengals are going to kick off business tomorrow morning like they did today. Uh, but um, I'm prepared if they do so at this point. So we'll, we shall see. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up. We will be back the next time things pop off. So probably pretty soon. Hope everybody enjoyed free agency. Uh, and day one and remembering it's, it's, what's it like? I mean, Bengals fans, unbelievable. You get a Super Bowl run, three straight years, they're out here spending in free agency. I mean, the devil that was sold of 31 years, man, is there, it's paying itself off right now because, uh, it's, it's, they're getting all the good stuff all at once. Got the elite quarterback, free agent spenders, Super Bowl runs, you name it. Checking off every box of fun stuff uh, to be a Bengals fan. Unbelievable. What a world. All Football right, we'll talk capital to of the world. <laughs> Definitely not the baseball capital of the world <laughs> anymore. We know that. Sorry, Reds fans. Have a good one.